Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. I want to continue tonight on just learning how to expose the enemy, expose the devil and his plans and his purposes and how he wants to work in our lives. We talked for the last few weeks, and we're going to look here in Ephesians in a second, chapter 1. The, the thing we've been talking about is that pride is a humongous tool of the devil. Whenever there's pride moving in our lives, the devil's moving. And whenever there's humility, God is moving. So if you look at a person's life or you look at your life and hopefully you can recognize by the power of the Holy Spirit that there's uh, pride in your life and there's something rising up, you can push that back and defeat it and, and say, Lord, I humble myself before you so that the Spirit of God can flow. Where, where there's humility, there's a flow of the Holy Spirit. Where there's pride... There's a stop. There's a, a wall. Amen. And uh, pride versus humility. And then obviously the easy understanding is obey, obedience versus disobedience. When I obey the word of God, when I do what God has asked me to do, there's a mighty blessing. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. And I want to read from verse, uh, sorry, I told you chapter 1, first, chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 1. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for this awesome service on a Wednesday night, God. Thank you for what you did last night, Lord, in, in the forum, Father. Thank you for what you're doing in Children's Church tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you're already establishing, God, in Carrollton, Lord. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives tonight, in our marriages, in our finances, in our, in our, in our kids, in our teenagers. We just pray tonight that you'd anoint this word, Lord, and we would look at it as life and understand that this word is what changes us and transforms us tonight, God. Speak to us and speak through us, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said? Verse 1 of Ephesians 5 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ has also loved us, and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And before I read on, I want to remind you tonight that we can never grow weary in well-doing and ever, never grow weary in doing what's right. Never feel like we're just so sacrificial and we're just, we just lay so much down because we will never, ever do what Jesus did for us. Amen? How many know that that can creep in? Well, I just, I'm so tired. I'm, I've just been doing so good. And I, we can begin to pat ourselves on the back that we've just sacrificed so much for God. And that's good. But we can never, ever, ever, ever repay what Jesus did for us. And so we need to remember that we are forever indebted to him and that he gave himself for us. And that when I want to sin, I don't sin because I don't want to hurt God. And when I want to fall, I'm not going to fall because I don't want to fail God. And when I want to do what I want to do, I'm not going to do it because I want to do what God wants me to do. And I love God tonight because he first loved me. Amen. And we have that love in our heart that says, God, I love you. I want to serve you. I want to please you. I, I'm not tied up in what's going on in my life. I just want to please you. And if you're a God pleaser and a God imitator, God is moving. Amen. Then it says, verse 3, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you 
as it is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. How many know that hasn't changed? Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light. How many realize that tonight? We were once darkness, but now we're light. We're not in the darkness anymore. We're light. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Now pay attention to these next couple verses. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. How many know we need to wake up every morning and say, God, I want to be acceptable to you. I don't want to do what I think I should do, or I don't want to say what I think I should say. I don't want to live like I think I should live. I want to do as acceptable to you. If you say it's right, it's right. If you say it's wrong, it's wrong. If you say go left, I'm going left. If you say go right, I'm going right. I'm going to wake up and be acceptable to the Lord. Now watch this. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather what? Expose them. That's the whole thing we've been talking about in this little series is how to expose the enemy and to what? And defeat it. It's not just enough to expose it. It's not enough to walk into the kitchen, turn the light on, and see the cockroach run down the, ro down the road. What do you got to do to it? Squash it. Unless you're weird. I, I met a very weird person in Costa Rica who thought it was a, he was bad to kill cockroaches because they're God's creatures. Yeah, weird. I'm, I'm killing it. I'm killing spiders. I'm killing cockroaches. I'm killing mice. I'm going to get them before they get me. Amen? How many are with me? I'm going to exterminate. I asked God when we get to heaven why he made those things. In. I, know they're part of the, I know they're part of the ecosystem, but I don't understand. I know, I feel like the devil's got a little bit of hand in there somewhere. You know, sin really messed things up. I walked into my house yesterday. My wife has seen a, how many have ever seen a snake by your house? Anybody in here like snakes? Like poisonous ones? I knew there'd be a few weird ones in here. Walking into my house, and I saw a little tiny snake. It was like eight inches long, six inches long. It looked like a worm. But I looked down and saw it, thank God. And when I looked down, that little sucker coiled back at me. Now, only venomous snakes do that. If you're a regular garden snake or whatever, they don't, they don't coil back and put their head back. That did this. So you got to remember, a big poisonous snake starts off as a little one, right? And they act the same. So I said, all right, me and you, buddy. One of us is going to die today. It's not going to be me. Now, you might think that's funny, but hey, that little sucker's fast, and they can jump. So I got a bat, took care of business. But I'm afraid that underneath my little 
sidewalk thing going into my house there's a crack have you ever seen a picture there's a i saw a horrible picture one time you know snakes live in nests right and there's a bunch of them i know i know i know that's what i'm saying and i saw a picture one time of a barrel or something and it was like a hundred rattlesnakes in that sucker that's just a nightmare for me so i got to figure out how to fill, fill that crack i'm always walking around my house looking for things that shouldn't be there y'all with me men we got to protect our house you know i kill possums i kill deadly snakes i protect my house amen from whatever comes against me but there's a point to this we have a place we live i have a wife and daughters there and i have to watch to make sure there's nothing around my house that can attack us or hurt us or cause damage to us and so i'm always watching and i i myself go and instead of paying someone hundreds of dollars for them to exterminate i go buy the 12 dollar thing at home depot that they use and i exterminate my own house and i go around and i do it better than they do because if they show up they just go you know and leave i hit every nick and cranny and i'm going around the windows and i'm and i'm and if i see a spot that looks dangerous i'm doubling it up and i do the same thing here at church i'm a mice killer i'm a snake killer Amen. I don't just shepherd the flock. I protect you, amen, from snakes and rats and mice, amen, and bugs. But the point is, we got to be watching because if you don't kill them, they grow. And they eventually cause major problems. So we have to be exposing those things and bringing those things out and recognizing that, that sometimes, even though, you know, that little snake was small, but just like a scorpion, the smaller scorpions have more venom than the bigger ones. And so sometimes I think in our lives, we look at a sin or we look at a situation and it doesn't seem that big. It just seems small. You know, I can just squash that with, but you know what? If that little snake would have jumped up and bit my leg as I'm going in the house, that same poison would have gone into my body. Now, of course, they, they don't have as much poison as a bigger snake. But we have, that same thing happens, I think, a lot of times with sin. In our lives, we don't deal with sin when it's small. If I let that little snake live, that little snake's going to grow. And that little snake's going to become bigger. And so sin, we have to kill it when it's small. Right? If you begin to see a manifestation of cockroaches in your kitchen, you don't just say, oh, you know, they'll go away. You got to kill them. You begin to see droppings around the house. You got to find out where that's coming from. Because if you don't, they'll take your house over. It's the same thing with sin. So go back to that picture again. How many have ever walked into a, a kitchen, turned on the light, and you saw something run? Right? Whether it was a cockroach or it was a mouse or whatever. So when the light came on, those little critters like darkness. That's how I know they're the devil. Amen. That's how I know what's of the devil because they like darkness. Any animals that like darkness are of the devil. Can anybody say amen? That was revelation from God right there. That was God, right? Thank you, Lord. There's the answer. If they're hiding out, they're not of God. If they're a bird, if they're even those chipmunk things, I don't like the squirrels that cause havoc, they're, pro they're of God because they're in the light at least. I see them. 
But those little critters that hide in the dark are of the devil. Right? Scorpions and serpents and spiders. You know the most dangerous spider. What's the most dangerous spider in Texas? Shout it out. Come on. Where do they hide out? Do they hide out in the light? Are they of the devil or are they of God? Brown recluse hangs out in your closet, hangs out in a dark place, and they, they want to kill you. Amen? So it's the same thing. Sin always is in the dark. If you can bring something out into the light, and it, and it, and it can be exposed to light. Listen carefully. I know this is kind of funny, but I'm, being, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. If you can bring something out into the light, and it doesn't run, then it's not sin. Did you catch that? If, if someone walks into your room in light to your office or, your, or your, sees your phone and the light comes, I'm not don't have to be like a physical light, but the light comes on a visibility and they see your phone, they see your computer, they see something and you have to run and hide that, that's darkness. There's sin. Anytime you have something in your life that you hide in the darkness, that needs to be exposed. And then when it's exposed, it needs to be killed. Again, you go into that kitchen, you turn on the light, you see a cockroach run. You can't just be like, well, I'll deal with it later because that cockroach is going to multiply. You, you got to kill it. If, you, if the mouse is there, it's not gonna, it didn't just come in to grab a bite to eat. It's looking for a place to live, right? Pantry, it's a warm place. They're looking for a place to live. And so you have to deal with it. Too many times we don't deal with our sin. And it, listen, if you don't deal with your sin, your sin is going to deal with you. If you don't deal with sin, sin turns into uh, witchcraft and rebellion and it turns into dangerous things and, and we have to expose it and we have to kill it and we have to get rid of it. So read it again, 11. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but do what? Expose them. Watch this. For it is shameful to even speak of these things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. See, I kind of got ahead of myself there. See what that said? Whatever makes manifest is is light, meaning whatever stands out in the light and will stay there and doesn't run is of God. Okay? Y'all getting that? That's really good to understand. So we have to not worry so much about everybody else around us. We need to worry about our own lives and we need to be looking in the mirror and we need to be saying, Lord, expose me. If you really have the heart of God, you're not looking for ways that you can fool God. You're saying, God, me and you, talk to me, Lord. Turn the light on. Put, put your Holy Spirit flashlight, as I say, into my heart and expose me. You don't have to do it in front of everybody else. You don't have to show my, my, my failures and my weaknesses to everybody else. But show me what is wrong in my life. Show me what stinks. Show me what's ugly. Show me what is sinful. Show me what is not of you. 
please expose it because how many know it would be much better for God to expose it with you individually by yourself at an altar in prayer in relationship with the Lord than to be exposed before men. I'd rather have God expose it to me and let me deal with it. And then once he exposes it, you need to deal with it. So it's not enough to say, Lord, expose it. And then he says, okay, and listen, if you ask, he'll do. You ask him to expose, he'll, he'll say, okay, you asked. And he'll come in and he'll say, he'll say here, you know, whatever it is in your life, and he'll begin to deal with it. And then when, once he exposes it, you don't wait till he leaves and then put it back in the closet again. Too many times we come to an altar, Holy Spirit convicts us, not condemns us, convicts us, and works on us, and, and, and deals with us, and our heart, because we're in a place of the Holy Spirit, in a place of worship, and our hearts are sensitive, we come, and, 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 and God says, lay that down to me, leave it here, give it to me, and we do that, we lay it down, we leave it at the altar, and, and, and God moves, and God touches, and there's a peace, and there's a, there's a victory, but then when the service is over, and we're dismissing, we pick it back up again, we put it back in our pocket again, and we don't deal with it and we don't kill it we need to learn to kill the sin so the first thing I did the first thing I did when I went out to take care of this little tiny snake was I cut it in half the only reason I didn't just kill it right away is because I wanted to get close enough to see what it was I wanted to see the little markings on it it had the head. What's the word that we used to The head like a diamond. So you know. If anybody doesn't know how to know how a snake's poisonous. If, they're, if, they're, if their body goes into their head and just keeps on going. And there's no curvature around their head. That's not poisonous. But when they're. And, and also has to do with the tail. But when they have a curved head. That's when it's dangerous. So I cut that thing in half. But how many know when you kill a snake. They keep moving. All the nerves in their bodies. So I was going to try to let it die so I could go out and look at it, but it kept moving. So then I had to go and hit it on the head. Once I hit it on the head, it was dead. That's good for your notes right there. If I hit sin on the head, it's dead. If I mess around with it and cut it in half, it's still alive. Or if I don't cut it far enough back, see... Me and my wife were talking about lizards. You know, you cut a lizard's tail off, what's it going to do? It's going to grow back. A lot of times we play with sin. And instead of killing it, we just cut it or we just hit it. But we need to kill it. If you let that stuff linger around, it's going to come back to bite you. Did you know that a snake can still bite you when it's cut in half? Did you know a snake head can still bite you? Sometimes even when it's dead, the reaction in its jaws will latch onto you. If, if you went up to a snake that was dead, I, I'm sure there's a time frame where it stops, but you can, you can, if you hit that thing, it could still bite you dead. And I think that that's a lot of times what, what happens. I don't think it's a, a coincidence that I dealt with that little snake yesterday because it's a perfect example that you have to deal with it. You can't just be like, oh, that snake didn't hurt me, so I'm not going to hurt it. That little sin's not hurting me, so I'm not going to hurt it. Deal with it. Deal with that sin. 
Don't mess around with it. Clean it up and, and, and disinfect and, and get all the garbage out from around you. And don't pick that stuff back up. For whatever is, is of the light makes manifest in the light. Amen? Let's read a few more verses. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly. That means to walk cautiously. That means to walk sensitively. As a person would walk through a thorny terrain. Circumspect means that I'm not just nonchalant walking. I'm watching the sidewalk. How many know that when you walk, you should watch where you're walking? I know that sounds very elementary. But what is in, what's on the places you walk? All kinds of things. Glass, holes, snakes, things, right? Uh, cracks. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand how many of you have tripped over a crack. Probably everybody at one time. How many know it's okay to trip when no one's looking? But it's horrible when you do it in public. Because when you trip in public, you got to have that certain kind of get up, right? You know, like you were picking something up down there, you know? And uh, you're like bleeding and everything, but you, you know, you just kind of, you know, you do a little... There's just a certain way you get up from tripping over a crack. Right? So you watch where you walk. Circumspectly means cautiously. We are living in a real world with real sin and a real devil. And like I've been saying in the last few services, we don't take our walk with God sometimes serious enough. We can, we can get saved and we can get uh, in church and there's a comfort in church that's that's a big problem sometimes is people be in church for a while and they get comfortable and that's why last friday the friday before in discipleship i gave these men something my pastor taught me that what we do in church is we comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable think about that people that are hurting need to be comforted people that get comfortable need to be afflicted now, I'm not saying that in a mean way. I'm saying it's not good to be comfortable. Because when you get comfortable, you get lazy. And when you get lazy, you get vulnerable. And when you're vulnerable, Satan has his way. And, and to, to begin to close tonight, I want you to write something down that I read today. It's very important. And there are a lot in First and Second Peter, if you read those later in, in your time of devotion, Two strategic weapons that the devil uses to defeat us. And, and we don't see them today like they saw them back in the times that the Bible was written. Suffering is one. Suffering or bad situations are one of the devil's greatest strategies. Suffering or bad situations. And the other one is false doctrine being exposed to what's not the truth a lie a twisting of the scriptures those are two things that in first and second peter the whole chapters peter deals with 
He works with those things. He deals with those things. He, how many are thankful that the word of God hits stuff head on? Jesus hit stuff head on. He didn't, we, we have a world that thinks that Jesus is just a Jesus of peace and, and he's just so loving and he is, but he's a person, he's a God that came down to deal with stuff. And he hit stuff straight on and head on. He met a woman who was living in adultery and he told her how many wives, how many husbands she had. He didn't say, oh, I think, you know, you, you're kind of a sinner. He said, you are adulterous and you've had five husbands. He hit stuff straight on. We need that. We need that kind of preaching. We need that kind of teaching. We need stuff that keeps us right. We need stuff that keeps us watching. We need stuff that keeps us in the right spirit. Because if you're not in that spirit, the devil has his way. In your family, in your finances, in your marriage, everything, your job, he'll have his way. But we got to walk circumspectly. We got to walk cautiously. We got to be watching. It's not fear. It's not walking in fear like, oh God, something bad's going to happen. It's walking in wisdom. Like I'm going to make sure that if I see something falling on me, I'm going to move. If I see a hole in front of me, I'm going to go around it. If I see a snake coiled up at me, I'm going to go the other way. Amen? It's watching and, and being wise and, and walking with that Holy Ghost on you that exposes the bad things around before they attack you and latch on to you. And then two or three years down the road, you find out you're addicted to something because you aren't watching the devil move in to your life. So one is suffering, the other is false doctrine. So when we get into suffering, you, did you know that back when the Bible was being written, and we're beginning to see this right now again. It's always kind of been around, but now even in the United States, we're beginning to see this around the world. We're beginning to see this. But back in the time of Nero, N-E-R-O, which was the, 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 the king who was living when, when, when the New Testament was being written, when Paul the Apostle was writing the book of Ephesians and the book of First and Second Peter was being written, they, they crucified Christians. Jesus wasn't the only one who died on the cross. He was just the only God who died on the cross. We know that from the two sinners that died on each side of him. They would burn Christians alive. That's why I say we don't take Christianity serious enough because we're in a comfortable place tonight. But where this Bible was birthed was birthed in a time where they lived for God in spite of the suffering, in spite of the circumstances. Uh, I can't find a job. I, I don't have, I'm lacking money or I'm having a marital problem. In spite of all that, add to all the things we deal with, add to that the fact that they were being crucified for it, for living for God. How many realize we have it pretty good? We just have the marital problems and the financial problems and the sickness and those things. But we don't have to come in here tonight worrying that someone might walk through the door at any moment and take us somewhere and crucify us or burn us alive. That's what was happening in the time of Nero. He was killing Christians. And we know that for the history of church, the church this has happened, but we have been in a comfortable place and I don't say that because I want persecution to come on us. I say that because we don't take things of God serious enough sometimes. We need to realize how blessed we are. And another thing they would do is they would, they would take animal skins and wrap them around a Christian and throw them out to wild dogs. Can you imagine being eaten alive by dogs? 
I'm not trying to be gross. I'm just trying to get you some perspective. That those are the things that the devil uses. And how many people in the history of the church have turned away from God because of circumstances, situations, sicknesses, trials, diseases. And some might say rightfully so. You know, they couldn't, they couldn't handle it. They, they've had a really bad situation. But how many people like Job, how many people like Job never cursed God? Job chapter 1, Job chapter 2, never cursed God. I want to remind you tonight that whenever you feel like you're having a bad day or a bad week, go read Job. Please. It'll put your life in perspective. I'm yet to meet in my life somebody who lived half the life of Job. I've seen some people go through some horrible stuff. Some of us in here have gone through some horrible stuff. But if you begin to line it up with the book of Job and the life of Job, you are walking on roses. We have got it made. Because Job lost everything. I've seen people who've lost a spouse. I've seen people who've had sickness. I've seen people who've lost a child. But I've never met somebody who's lost everything. And then had the wife come and say, Job, curse God. What's wrong with you? He says to his wife, Oh, we're going to praise God in the blessings, but we're going to curse him in the bad times. No. And the Bible says there was no sin in his mouth and he did not curse God. We have to be in a place, in a situation. God forbid we have to ever go through something like that. But we have to be in a relationship with God personally. Me and God, you and God, your spouse and God, by yourself, not with anybody else, in the relationship that says, God, if you expose something to me, if you expose sin in my life, and it could kill me, I'm taking this serious. I am going to walk the walk and talk the talk and live the life no matter what I go through, no matter what I lose, no matter what comes against me, I'm going to finish this race God has put me in because I want to stand with those mighty men and mighty women of God who did not turn their back on God when they were crucified, burned alive, and fed to dogs. Put your life in perspective sometimes. I'm all about fun. I'm all about laughing. I'm all about enjoying things. But when it comes to the things of God, you better take it serious because the devil takes it serious and God takes it serious and his people should take it serious. Because the devil is not playing games. He's serious. He's a lion seeking whom he can devour. He's a roaring lion. But we know from the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 11, this is something we use for tithe, but it's for a life, that if we're in lining up with God, he will rebuke the enemy. He will rebuke Satan. But we have to learn, and I want to give you another verse to close tonight. We have to learn, we have to learn ourselves to, uh, to exercise the authority that Jesus has given us. Too many times we want somebody else, there's nothing wrong with asking for prayer. There's nothing wrong with, say, hey, agree with me. That's great. That's what we're here for. But do 
you have the relationship with God where you trample on serpents and scorpions for yourself. Amen. You say, devil, I bind you. I rebuke you. I command you to get out of my marriage, out of my finances, out of my house, out of my life. I'm not going to take this anymore. It's great to have someone agree with you, but do it for yourself. You can't live your life having somebody else pray for you for everything. You've got to rise up with the authority that Matthew 16, 19 says you have, that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Amen. There's a power that we have that reaches all the way up to the throne of God tonight. I was sitting there tonight in the prayer room praying, and I thought about the sound, and I grabbed my wife's hand and my daughter's hand, and I said, Father, I bind the spirit of darkness that wants to get in that sound system. I bind the spirit of darkness that wants to destroy that sound system. And I loose right now, Father, the anointing, and I loose the power, and I loose the money to buy a new one. And you, that's what you do. You bind and you loose. Some people don't understand binding and loosing. It's not that hard. If something's coming against you, you bind it. If you want something to go, you loose it. A lot of people get that confused. They don't understand that. If, if, if a lion was coming at you full force, how do you stop that lion? You bind that lion up. Amen? You make sure that mouth has no teeth. You bind that thing up. If Satan is trying to come into your house, you bind him up. You rebuke him. You bind him in the name of Jesus. And you loose the angels of God over your house. You loose the protection of God over your house. Binding, listen, fastens something in chains. Picture that. When you bind something in Jesus' name, chains go around that thing. Chains. If you don't believe that, go to the end of the book and find out what God does to the Satan for 1,000 years. He binds him in chains and puts him in the, in the, in the pit for 1,000 years. And that's what God will do in the situation if you will bind something. And there is power in agreement. I'm not telling you not to pray with somebody. There is power in that. I'm just saying you got to be able to do it by yourself. But there's power when two or more agree together. One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put ten thousand to flight. So I'm not. I'm not saying that that that, that we don't do that. I'm just saying there's going to be some times when someone's not around, and you got to exercise that authority for yourself. Because the Bible says in Philippians two ten that at the name, listen, at the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Amen? Listen, I'm going to read this again. That at the name of Jesus, this is Philippians 2.10, every knee should bow, listen, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Heaven, earth, under the earth. That covers it all. Nothing left out. You bind, God moves. We don't talk about angels enough. We have angels at our disposal. Real angels, real beings who protect. Loose the angels of God. Every single service that I can remember, if I forget, of course, humanly, 
I'm sure I have, but every service since we've ever started any church, even in Costa Rica, I pray, Father, I loose the angels of God around this, this parking lot. I loose the angels of God around the cars. I loose the angels of God around this sanctuary, Father. And I loose them, and I know that in the Spirit, if you walked out of here right now, and you could see in the Spirit, you'd see angels all around this church. You'd see angels standing by your car. You'd see angels sitting in there with the children right now because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and we have angels at our disposal nine ten foot angels buff muscular guys who ain't playing around all they have to do is protect you and I believe Jose if you were an angel that's what you'd be you'd like to be an angel wouldn't you just beat people up how many else would like to just be an angel? All, you, all your job would to do is just beat people up for God. Protect. Here to serve and protect. We don't understand a lot of times, and I'm closing, musicians, you can come. We don't understand a lot of times how real the spiritual world is. We don't see it, but it's there. How real demons are, how real angels are how real God is, how real Satan is, how real all the things moving around us are. Listen, I promise you tonight, if you were to have a glimpse of what goes on around you in the spirit, you would faint and have a heart attack. I believe that. We, we can't even understand. Do you realize that? It, it, can you imagine walking out in a parking lot of a mall or a, or a shopping center or a restaurant and, and seeing in the spirit how many times the devil's tried to take you out? Can you imagine seeing a 10 foot, 12 foot, 15 foot demonic creature coming at you or more than one wanting to take your life and then an angel comes and wipes that de demon out for you because somebody's praying or because you've pled the blood of Jesus or because you've asked angels to encamp around your life. You know what? You can play church all you want, but until you've had a face-to-face -face confrontation with the real devil, you realize this is real stuff. This is real business. I'm going to beat him before he beats me. I'm going to bind him before he gets to me. I'm going to loose the angels of heaven before he does something to me. Don't play church. Get real with God. Because he's real and so's the devil. Expose him. Kill that cockroach. Step on that snake. Defeat that enemy before it gets to you. When he exposes something, grab that sword. You know we have a sword, right? We have a sword. Grab that sword and cut the head off of that demonic spirit. Take authority over that sickness in your body. Take authority over that addiction that the devil has you bound in. Take authority over that spirit of fear. No more, devil. No, 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 no. You've been exposed to the light. And I'm going to take this and don't fight darkness with darkness. You'll lose fight darkness with light fight the devil with Jesus fight the demons with angels fight fear with faith fight depression with joy fight mammon with generosity 
whatever enemy you're facing you bring the word of God against it we have a shield of faith we have a breastplate of righteousness we have a helmet of salvation our feet are shod with the gospel of peace we have a belt of truth those are all defense but we have a sword too many Christians are just walking around with the helmet of salvation on and nothing else and they're walking around wounded and defeated because not only do they not put on this defense they never step out on the offense God's looking for some people that'll start stepping out on the offense not just sit back and block but put up the word of God and begin to throw that thing around and take those demons out I know where Dwayne's vision is it's right here in this church I don't know where it is for anybody else but I'm going to see it right here in this church just like I've been praying for all these years this is where it's at if he wants to do it in the streets, praise God, that's fine. But I believe it's right here. I believe God's waiting for some people to rise up and grab that sword and begin to swing it. Sword of the Spirit. Sword of the Spirit. Sword of the Spirit.